0: We need a powerful socialist movement to end all capitalist oppression and exploitation.
1: Trying to think of I think that is pretty much that's pretty much and like I said we you know, you know I'm sh- I know you're be shocked by this but this is not the most formal process. <laughs> and with that uh welcome the guys and gals and bi- non binary pals once again to giving the mic to you the wrong person. I am your friend and host Jeremy. Uh got another got a, another round full of uh old friends and new to talk to you on this what the hell what is it? Monday night? Yeah, it's Monday night. Monday night here in uh, in uh, late winter, Oregon. Going around the room, uh, introducing folks to you first. I will introduce my co-hosts. If you would uh, say hello to the viewing audience. Hey everyone, it's Garrett. Uh, been a bit, but I'm on the show again. Awesome, thank you, back Garrett. and join us again. Our I think one of our uh, we're going to talk about the. the vile business that is electoral politics (laughs) and we uh we have our uh, our first we've already had Paige christman um uh oregon state house candidate for house district oregon house district 42 the house district that i'm currently sitting in uh on the show last fall and so now we're talking to would be what is it just overall house district or is oregon house district it's the third district of oregon yeah third district of oregon uh
2: which you're uh, also in
1: yes which i am also in so it's like oh uh, yeah i only interview dsa endorsed cor- uh in, DSA endorsed uh candidates that would personally be uh my own elected officials if
2: they actually go on would you introduce yourself to the viewing audience yes my name is albert lee and i am the dsa endorsed candidate rep- to represent the people of the third district of oregon
1: and uh, thank you, Albert, for coming out here and spending some time on your media whirlwind, 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 <laughs> I'll get that word right one, one way or the other, whirlwind of a Monday. Um, let's just see, because I, I am trying to make try to, try to to make a point of talking to at least all the DSA candidates, because if nothing else, it's like, this is how I contribute to the movement. I, I, uh, I can, like, you know, talk into a mic and then cut everything together and put something out and maybe a few hundred more people will hear it and be inclined to support you know we each do what we can um could you i'd say start things off could you do a bit of a, like a like an intro or a pitch as to i guess your own background and why you decided to uh uh to throw your hat in the ring uh t- in the
2: uh in the oregon democratic primary certainly jeremy thank you for having me here tonight uh, garrett thank you for joining us as well happy to be here yes well my name is Albert Lee and I am running to represent the people and I always put that as an emphasis the people of the Third District of Oregon to the United States Congress because I believe first of all that democracy requires choice it is something we haven't had here in over a generation we face a series of crises here in this district across the country and around the world that require bold action now and not just inspirational and aspirational words I believe in the basic tenets of the Democratic Party when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think it's time that we uplift some new voices from some other backgrounds, from some other lived experiences to represent us here in the most diverse district of our state. And lastly, I think it's time. I think it's time that we end this oligarchy, this rule by elite multimillionaire, career politicians ruling over us and replacing them with citizen representatives who know the struggle who won't take corporate contributions and who will truly represent and fight for the people.
3: Absolutely. I thought it was interesting. I just want to talk about this because I think it's it's something that I wouldn't have thought about before I came in is that you were saying um, in our sort of preamble to recording that you have a shift at 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and what's that like being a working person running for office because you're basic i mean do you ever sleep or what, what happens
2: <laughs> you know i sleep in shifts. <laughs> it's funny because um i we have a nap room in, in the place that i work and i take a 13-minute nap uh in the early morning uh, mm-hmm. a 28-minute nap at lunch and another 13-minute nap uh, in the afternoon um, now why am I working uh, the shift job and and, you know I've had some people that have tried to shame me for my shift job really Uh, seriously yeah yeah. it is just like you know I stepped down from being a dean uh, at Portland Community College in order to make this run because I was told that I couldn't uh, you know hold that position and run for office yikes Um, so uh, I am working a shift job to at least stop or help uh, reduce the hemorrhaging of our finances. Yeah, you need some money coming in, uh, some, some money coming in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I get up at 3 in the morning, uh, knock out some emails, and then I get to work by 5. Uh, by uh, 1.30 in, one in the afternoon, I'm off. And mm-hmm. then it's campaigning from that point until I go to bed. Um, and that can consist of interviews. It can consist of... Uh, canvassing, uh, trying to make phone calls to raise more money because, again, we are 100% funded by people and not corporations. And it's really funny because the incumbent has on his um, website about how he wants to end Citizens United and how he wants to uh, get this, how he wants to actually have publicly financed campaigns so we can diversify our leadership. But at the same time, but not not people running against me, right? But 65% of his funds are corporate funds, right? Yeah, so it's just like that lip service progressivism is exactly what I'm trying to fight against. I mean, far too many of us have become complacent with uh, the business as usual. You know, people don't really pay that much attention to our 24 year incumbent, think that he's typically a good guy, but when you just scratch the surface, you see that. He's telling us one thing and, and right. the exact opposite. My
3: general impression of him is that he's really well-liked. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure what he has or hasn't done. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, he's just sort of a, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to ask you to to comment
2: on that, but I just. Well, you know, I think I think that he's got a brand. And he's yeah, built up a right. brand for over a quarter of a century. Uh, and people are comfortable with that brand. Um People that don't necessarily have as much at stake are comfortable, mm-hmm. but when you have more at stake, you're not comfortable.
3: Yeah. I mean, and we're at a time where I feel like there's this awakening of people that felt like the political process was closed to them. Yes. And, you know, you're stepping in. There's a lot of can- more candidates like there's you stepping a, in. at
2: least 120 progressive candidates. I mean, and what I, I hate that word progressive because it doesn't mean a damn thing anymore, mm-hmm. uh, but there are about 120 Candidates out there that aren't taking corporate contributions, that are standing up, that are saying, you know what, it's not time for me to wait in line. It's, it's time for me to stand up to represent the people. Um, and you know, I've been endorsed by Brand New Congress national nationwide, and the vast majority of the folks in Brand New Congress are people of color, people who have been told that you don't belong, that you are are not meant for this. This is not your realm. Uh, and quite honestly, we need to stop. Uh, this oligarchy, this rule by the elite one percenters. Here in this state, for instance, you know, we've got two senators and five representatives. 100% of them are multimillionaires. 100% of them are part of the 1%. Uh, you know, with seven out of eight of them being Democrats, progressive Democrats. Right. And it's just like, you know, that just doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense. Uh, 100% of them are over the age of 62. 100% of them are property owners. You know, and that is in direct conflict. To the makeup of the state, where forty-four percent of us are renters, less than one point four percent of us are multimillionaires, or millionaires, let alone multimillionaires. Right. Yeah. Uh, And a good quarter of us are not white, and a good seventy-five percent of us are below the age of sixty-two. So something's got to give. If you want, um, you know, true representation of the people, they kind of got to look and sound and act like the people. Right.
1: Uh, similar, I think what you, what you mentioned about the corporate cash. Can you explain to folks, um, well, I would say outside of Oregon, endlessly here in Oregon too, about our partic- uh, the particularly delightful nature of our campaign
2: finance system here in our lovely state. Well, yeah. So, uh, luck, fortunately, I guess I, I'm I'm being outspent right now a hundred to one by our our incumbent, uh, but we abide by the federal cap, which is twenty eight hundred dollars per person. Uh, but if you're running for local office or if you're running for state office here in Oregon, it's unlimited. Yep, it's unlimited, and it is grotesque. Uh, so let's just put it this way: that um, is really gross. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. And and so effectively, corporations are allowed to bribe and buy off our politicians. You know, I know that the. Republicans walked out again today, didn't they? That's what I read, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That headline was around there, and of course they did. Yeah, but I mean, both sides of the aisle down in Salem, I mean, we have a super majority of of Democrats that haven't been able to do anything, and it's not that they haven't been able to do anything, it's because they're being bought off to not do anything. Um, So, you know, the money in politics is truly the root of all of the issues, crises that we face, from our climate emergency to homelessness to the wealth gap to the to the minimum wage uh the suppression of the minimum wage everything and any, if you name anything i can give you a direct link to money in politics right
1: yeah yeah uh, f- uh folks there's a lot of news around, say like amazon in particular out here in the pacific northwest participating in not just seattle ones but there are there are extremely local candidates slash incumbents who are taking amazon dollars
2: mm-hmm. um Okay, that, that, that's, do you want to do any biographical info? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I often start off by telling folks that I'm a sixth-generation American and an immigrant at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. I was born in South Korea where my African-American Army dad met my Korean mom during the Vietnam War. Now, growing up in the States, I grew up in working-class St. Louis next door to Ferguson, a little village called Moline Acres, right next to Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm uh my my mom worked two jobs she worked as a cook at a nursing home in the daytime and at a fast food joint at night and my dad was deployed for most of my childhood in the army uh but she worked those two jobs in order to put my sister and me in a catholic school because our public schools were truly separate and unequal and the fact of the matter is if she didn't get us a decent foundational set of education we'd probably still be stuck uh, in north county st louis i wouldn't be talking to you guys right now yeah um, now, uh, we faced, uh, some, uh, pretty hairy stuff when my dad got back from the service, uh, domestic violence when I was in high school hmm. led to our homelessness. Um, uh, ended up going to five different high schools in three different states. Jeez. Um,
3: homelessness for you personally. Yeah. You, you yeah. left home as well. I, yeah. I, okay. Well, here's the
2: thing. Just making I mean, sure I understand. Uh, my, my dad almost killed us God. and, uh, uh, I, one night. I and my mom and my sister packed up our little Chevy Cavalier, and we started driving east. I drove them at the age of 16, east on the highway, probably the second or third time I've been on the highway, I-70, and we just kept going east. Uh, we ended up outside of Pittsburgh in a battered shelter, women's Golly. shelter. shelter. Um, we didn't stay there long because it's a cycle, and we ended up going back to St. Louis um, and uh, because that's just kind of the cycle with domestic violence. Right. And should hit the fan again. We left again. Um, you know, uh, we ended up in a shelter outside of St. Louis. Uh, uh, it's another bedroom shelter. I was too old for them, so I was separated from my mom and sister and had to go to a youth shelter. Uh, got to uh, experience the loveliness of that youth shelter. Right. And, and I got to tell you, places like that attract predators. Um, it, it is uh, it is sick. Uh, what uh, What kind of things you see. Uh, with the most vulnerable populations, yeah. I don't trust people who are put in places of uh, of of, uh, of uh, any any kind of uh, position of of uh, of authority that you're supposed to honor or respect. I don't trust doctors, right. I don't trust counselors, any of those types of folks. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, eventually, we left again, made our way to Kansas City, uh, shelter, then another shelter. Kind family took us in. Um, Helped us, uh, helped my mom and me find jobs, helped us to secure uh, us back into Catholic school, helped us to um, get our own two-bedroom basement apartment. Uh, and then by my senior year, my fifth high school, I was looking at my future, and all I could see was afternoon shifts at the grocery store, graveyard shifts at the gas station. College was really just a long-forgotten dream, but it was at that point that my mom's best friend, Miss Mary, she gave me her savings.
3: Holy smokes that's uh, awesome yeah. wow
2: it was ten thousand dollars she said you're gonna go to school for at least one year and it I gotta tell you it's because of her that I became the first in my family to graduate college
3: fantastic wow, wow. what a cool story
2: yeah yeah and uh, yeah so after that I joined the army uh, after the army I was uh, in it worked in international trade came out here um, as an economic migrant, quite honestly, because I found myself in my 30s, a young urban professional mm-hmm. uh, with three roommates, you know, and it's just like we are all looking at each other, scratching our heads, saying, how in the hell are we all allegedly doing the right thing, right. working and everything, and we can't even live on our own. We've got roommates, and we got to have arguments about our bathroom, right? <laughs> um, and so I was looking for a new start. I was looking for a place where I could actually live as an adult right and uh, this is
3: when Portland was still cheap I take it yes <laughs> yeah so
2: this was in 2003 2004 about the uh, year that I moved out here yeah yeah I mean I, I took a look I read a couple of different books I read the power of the place geography of nowhere uh, did an online survey findyourspot.com. your <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist anymore I don't think but uh, the geography of nowhere uh, was about urban planning and there were a lot of uh, examples about Portland right uh, the Power of Place really talked about how who you are can align with the place that you live. Uh, you can either grow and thrive or wither and shrink, mm-hmm. depending on how that matchup is. And then uh, the geog- or the uh, Find Your Spot uh, survey was like an 80-question survey. You fill it out. It talked about everything from religion to do you like sports, <laughs> and outdoors and stuff. And then it generates this kind of rank order of places you ought to check out. Uh, and my top five were Portland. Seattle, San Francisco, Albuquerque, and Chicago. Mm. Been to Chicago plenty of times. Love the place, but Too I did big. not. I did not want. <laughs> that, I yeah. did not want the cold.
1: Yeah, the Chicago was the one place when I was trying. I spent four years in Ann Arbor before uh, after graduating. Before I figured out where I wanted to go, yeah. Chicago was the one place that was like, well, you know would Have been fine in many respects, but it was one place that had actually worse weather in <laughs> southeastern Michigan, <laughs> right? Yeah,
3: I've heard it's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah no. I, I just went for the first time a few months ago to Chicago, I really liked it. But
2: yeah, I like Chicago, Chicago's just, nice
3: being from West Texas where everything's all spread out. Oh, it's, okay, it's like I can't get used to that. Being I feel so closed in, really, you know, even in Portland.
2: See, I, I enjoyed it. It's just it's it's the,
1: it's the blizzards, the blizzards and the heat,
2: yeah, yeah, no, it's that continentality. It's just uh, that super extreme hot in the summer, super extreme cold in the winter. But I, I grew up in the Midwest, so it's St. Louis, Kansas City, mm-hmm. Omaha, it was all like that. Yeah. Uh, Flint, Flint and Ann Arbor for me. Yeah. But, I mean, so I, I came out here um, and uh, with a girlfriend. We eventually got married, uh, and, you know, I then took my next uh, academic challenge, which was law school. Um, and by this time, uh, headed back east, go to law school, got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> law school do that uh, well yeah but there was also tragedy i mean um uh, my when we were making the decision on where to go to school cuz my uh, ex-wife was also going back to school uh for public health mm. we were planning on staying in oregon because i mean we loved it here and this is where we wanted to be but uh, right. we had applied to some schools on the east coast and right when we were making the decision on where to go her brother was killed mm. yikes um, yeah he was a he was a law school student down in alabama and uh, uh he was he was killed uh, wanted to get closer to her family, which they all lived on the East Coast. And so we decided to move back to the East Coast where we both got into schools. Um, you know, a combination of different things. I mean, first of all, law school and, and professional school does not go hand in hand with, with marriage. Yeah, keeping. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I don't think I was probably there as much as I should have been for sure. for her. Mm-hmm. with the focus on on school and and obviously there's I mean that's rough
3: it's hard i mean and it's hard to be a person in that in that position uh um you know you know it's not like they gave you training on how to how to yeah. help, help someone through that so yeah that's a, that's a totally it's a very difficult and the this yeah on top of the stress of getting an advanced degree mm-hmm. and i don't know uh, how east coast schools differ from west coast schools but i just feel like east coast culture is way more uh, yeah, you know east coast uh, culture is hard way, bitten if you'll, if yeah, you'll the phrase. yeah yeah it is uh,
2: it is um but you know i mean i guess all's well that ends well um she graduated and Came back out to Portland. Uh, she's doing well here. Got remarried, yeah. uh, and I met my future wife uh, after graduating and working in in law and um, legal research. And we got pregnant. Now, this was before the Affordable Care Act, and Yikes. my my wife uh, was on student insurance. I had Cadillac insurance, but this is before the Affordable Care Act, so our pregnancy was a pre existing condition. So I couldn't even transfer her over to our insurance. I, well, I could, but they just wouldn't take the pregnancy. They wouldn't pay for the pregnancy. Such a lovely system we yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I had to quit that job. I quit that job in order to secure a job that would provide us a health care that we Holy needed. smokes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, if that's not enough for anybody to be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing with people... Uh, when they were, I think they were, I can't remember who it was, but somebody from, the, from this, just this last weekend, this last weekend being the weekend of the Nevada primary, someone was, I think one of the, uh, one of the heads of the justice Democrats was being interviewed on one of the cable shows and just talking, trying to explain like, you know, why are people so angry? And her response was just, people can't afford insulin. Right. That's it. Yeah.
2: I mean, well, I I think that's when when you talk about the movement, I think that's what it is in general, is that people are fed up with a government that does not work for all of us. Right. That just merely works for those that are in power and those that pay them the 1%. Um, You know, we've got an entire mainstream media that is trying to crush Bernie Sanders right now despite the fact in that hilar- is, in hilarious ways yes. yeah despite the fact that he's won the first three primary or first three contests right uh, and the last one handily
3: yeah he's he smacked them down the last uh, one did you know I learned this today he is the first candidate Republican or Democrat to win a popular majority or pop- popular plurality in all the first
2: three yes contests. yes I thought that was well I think that that is an indication, mainstream media, that the people are tired and the people are ready for a political revolution. Uh, And quite frankly, mainstream media should be happy for a political revolution as opposed to a non-political revolution.
3: (laughs) Well, right. So what do you say? Because I've heard people say stuff when you bring up political revolution. You know, some people get very uncomfortable by that word revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, they think. You know, the, the people
2: that get uncomfortable with that word are the people that are comfortable with the situation as it stands. Yep. I mean, that's that's, right. that's it. You know, if you benefit from the system, uh, you would be uncomfortable with any kind of change to that system. Right. Yeah, that that I, I, I wholly agree. I mean, uh, if you look at mainstream media, all of those pundits, all those talking heads are part of the one percent. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they're going to be uncomfortable with a situation that's yeah. going to change.
3: What do you think about though? Let me let me try to rephrase that just slightly. I think that some normal walking around people think that they hear revolution and they think like we're you know guillotines are coming out <laughs> stuff no, like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. like th- maybe there are people perhaps of a more anxious disposition. You know? Yeah.
2: No. <laughs> no. I, I I think what you know I think that there are a lot of different words that get charged and that that right. that get people all riled up, but. Let's let's call it by something else. Uh, we're talking about a government that's going to work for all of us, right? Right. You know, and yeah. and I think that the majority of people, given the indications from the last couple of contests here, the majority of people get that. You know, when you have uh, the service industry workers in Las Vegas going against their union to vote for Bernie, isn't that wild? Uh, that's telling you something. It tells you that even within the union structure, those at the top, the managers. Uh, are are separate from from the frontline workers from the from the, from the people who are going to be impacted and they're, look you know I love my I love my health insurance that i'm getting through uh, through the union but guess what my aunt my my brother my cousin they don't have the same health insurance right. and, and I want to make sure that they're taken care of too it's not just about me it's about us and that's the whole mantra that's the whole thing about this movement it's not me it's us
1: right yeah that's one thing i uh, I had noticed at our uh, um, <laughs> all three of us here are DSA members to uh, to uh, to like different levels of activity. And uh, at a recent chapter meeting, it was they opened the meeting with playing the cam- the Bernie campaign ad mm-hmm. done that was uh, that where they, they cut together Killer Mike's speech from a campaign event in September of uh, se- September of last year at South Carolina.
0: Everybody. Out- of that one percent has been denied so i want you to take a few seconds to look to your left and look to your right look to your neighbor and say neighbor the time is now there are more of us we're stronger we will wait no longer
1: which if you get a chance i heavily recommend watching the entire the entire event just from both nina turner just Tearing shit up to like Killer Mike, just again, just all I gotta say is listen to find the camp, the Killer Mike campaign ad, it's something, but it's um realizing that, yeah, this move um for better or for worse, this movement has twinned itself with the Bernie campaign, and it's kind of a thing of like, well, this is we're in it, so let's do it. What do you mean, Jeremy, when you say this, this movement? Are you talking about DSA? but well, not just well, I think DSA is part of I think the the in, movement in is emergent
3: left politics yeah in the United in a,
1: States. it's kind of uh, yeah a resurgent kind of just the beginning glimpse of recovering and we've talked about this on the show before of like we have to relearn not just you know basic shit that we've lost for or have kind of you know been helped to forget over the last 4 decades you're not just shit from the 70s i mean we're, we're shit from the 30s yeah right and um and i think that's part of the movement and i think dsa is part of that and i think there's plenty of other groups that are but it's also
2: um, it's a reawakening it's a it's an opening of consciousness yeah right um you know i think it's always been there i think that just, for for far too long people have been stuck with this dichotomy of republican and democrat mm. uh and you know for the last 10 years or so people have been saying it's two sides of the same coin right and now they're really realizing that there's more than just that coin right Um, And so uh, I think that the movement is just an awakening or uh, an opening of that consciousness to say that there's more than just that coin. Right.
1: And on that note, uh, can we talk about... um What the value of like of of an of electoral campaigns can bring to adding to the movement? Because I think my I mean my own personal take is that because of we've been so depoliticized and demobilized that talking to individual you know politics is only something that that like people on that like people on TV way off somewhere else you uh, you know they 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 do and maybe you go into a ballot box every two or probably even. Every four or sometimes not even that. And that's it. Yeah. No,
2: I mean, for one thing, that's by design. Yep. They don't want you to get involved. They don't want you to be a participant. Right. Uh, The fact of the matter is they already have the votes that they want counted, and yours are not those. Right. Right. Um, so it is important, number one, that we all get activated and actually start doing it. The second thing is, um, when you're looking at candidates like myself and others within the movement, we're not going in it to become a part of that status quo. We're going in there to break things. We're going in there to shake things up. Um, you know, for instance, somebody asked me the other day as like, what, 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 what is one of the things that you want to do? HR 4000, uh, HR 4000 is, um, Ranked choice voting is yeah. also yeah. a, a, a way to break through that dichotomy of Republican and Democrats because too many people are not being represented. Um, you know, if you don't have the choices or, or if you got the choice of the lesser of two evils, uh, shit's going to stay the same. Yeah. Right. You continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. That's how come we got continents burning right now. Yeah. You know, and face mask on babies. And, yeah. And, and, and kids in cages. Uh, that is the product of both parties. Don't don't let them fool you it's not just one or the other it's it's both of them
3: and that's a harder push with some people than it should be to be like don't you see that like this these people aren't on the team on the team you think but they're not on your team like you you think they are and it's that's very frustrating for me personally yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: i think well that's that's part of things like how do you how do you gently disillusion people from again because it's one of the things of realizing yeah this is you know there's there's plenty of shit that's 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 you know, plenty of bad shit that's coming to light but it's guess what folks it's in a certain sense you know if you weren't comfortable it's always been this bad Walter Karp uh, talk about just the like, you know, two party system Walter Karp wrote that book was it Necessary Enemies or there's a there's a book that he wrote about like way back in like the early 90s talking about just the history of Oh yeah, just um, because um, uh, you know we're de- we're effectively we're dealing with the- this this li- very limited, almost like a beta version of a ma- of a mass suffrage uh, uh, democratic system, where you know that's it's you know that's not really it wasn't never really built for a party system, but it, it but now because of how it's set up, it's like. It's not, you know, it it, it, it favors, uh, you know, two parties, but also it favors these two parties. Mm-hmm. And on the point of ranked choice voting, one of the interesting things I learned from going to Nevada this last weekend was that all of the early voting they did, early voting there was, you had to do it in person, but early voting there was ranked choice. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to yeah, folks. because that, that's
3: the only way they could approximate a caucus with people actually kind of handing it right, out. Right, right, it. right. Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: And they were, t- and one one of the stats that came out was in twenty sixteen, uh, primary voting in Nevada was something like eighty six thousand. It's either eighty six or eighty four thousand. Early voting alone, this of the handful of days before the primary was like seventy four. And we were talking. I was the caucus that myself and a couple other folks that went down there were stationed on on the uh, on the University of Nevada Reno uh, campus. We're talking about how early vo- the the last day of early voting had like two or three hour lines. Wow, nice. Um, it was a hell of a
2: thing.
3: It's pretty exciting to see personally.
2: Yeah, uh, but yeah. Well, I you know I quite honestly would like to see a movement where we have voting by mail across the country. Absolutely, yeah. ranked uh, choice vote by mayor. Yeah, I mean because you you. I, I, you've voted in other states, right? Yeah, Michigan. Okay, um, for for folks that are working, you know, and you can't take the day off, right? I mean, I remember voting by in by design. States. I, yes. Yeah, as you mentioned. Yeah, if you can't, if you can't get, if you couldn't get to that school by eight o'clock, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And and those lines would be for hours. And here's the thing: you wait in that line for hours, and then you go into the box, and either you have that crazy electronic D machine, right? Or you've got a paper ballot, but you've got to rush through it and answer all of the different uh, choices, um, basically by rote memory, because you don't have the luxury of having the voter pamphlet and the two weeks to mull it over, or maybe over a glass of mm-hmm. wine or whatever. Yeah, let's just say
1: this is, you know, Oregon vote by mayor. We vote, We you can vote in a bar. You can, you know, you can have your cat help you at home. <laughs> you can uh, have
2: a conference with your friends and family and yeah. openly discuss you, candidates. You can yeah. have a little party. It's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. And some people do, yeah, because it's like, you know. And not only that, but when you turn in your ballot, you get a text or an email that says, we received your ballot. And then you get another text or email that says, we've counted your ballot. Yeah. yeah. You know, so... That eliminates uh, so much uh, of the squirreliness when it comes to the, a lot of the other states,
3: and it shows the that that Oregon does it this way, you know which uh, it it just shows the transparency of how the voting system is often set up to exclude people, right, especially right. working people, the people most affected right uh, by the you know polit- the decisions our politicians make and and I just I feel like I'm really certain this is just me? No one has to chime in that there are like memos. I wish Julian Assange would have found them that, said, <laughs> that basically say like we don't want poor people voting. you know like, no, like, why like would you want our lives would
1: be so much easier if poor people didn't vote. No. you know what I mean? like you don't have to have an explicit memo if it's if it's ideological if it's if it's kind of right. they'll mind- just, they just get it right yeah, if yeah it's part yeah, of the mind yeah. if it's part of the mindset
2: that that's uh look, voter disenfranchisement uh across the board is against uh the poor. It's against people of color. It's against the left. Right. Um, and when I said two sides of the same coin, uh, if it was that important, especially in the Deep South, in those states that uh, uh, the Voting Rights Act uh, Section Five was supposed to be covering, why aren't the Democrats, har- you know, h- hard on that? Right. You know, in those Deep South states, which are majority majority minority states, um, that. Are basically apartheid states because you know you still have uh, white rule in majority minority states where voters are diff- disenfranchised by by um, uh, felonies yep. uh, and then also by r- uh, removal from voter polls rolls. Uh, all of these things. If if it, if if it wasn't to the benefit of both parties, you would think that one party would be fighting a lot harder than they do. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. I can't remember who said it. Somebody was like saying that. Well, two bits. One, like the Texas is not a red state. Texas is not a purple state. Texas is an, is a non-voting state by design. Mm-hmm. And right. the other bit is that uh, Mississippi vote. Mississippi voted for Obama in '08 by uh, by forty four percent. It was like that close, even with all the systemic shit pushing down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. The, all of the people, that's the, that's the one thing, and we've talked about this on on other episodes of the show. Like, And
3: that comes down to just people not showing up or not being able to vote. Not yeah. being yeah. able yeah. to vote. Not being yeah. able to vote. And some not showing up, I'm yeah. sure, because they're just so disgusted by the whole
2: process. Oh, wait, and, or getting the robocall saying, hey, you vote on Tuesday, and oh. these other guys vote on Wednesday. Yeah. Or oh, you got to go over here to go vote. The um, Or you have, uh, you know, they have two bowl machines over here, and the other place has 20. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah in like the poor the
1: poor county there's the there's only one or two machines, yeah, one with an out of order sign on it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that and that's the thing about talking about waiting in line I can remember I moved here right in the in uh in September of o four right in the heat of the of that can of that election, and I started you know the first that was the first, was the first uh, election I ever volunteered in because I was like i was doing helping to do voter reg And I can remember like election night just all of the um like all of the um you know just uh again, like de devolved machines can like oh, with Ohio when uh what's his name the 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 g o p secretary of state like kind of like just allocating just so happens that all of the uh that certain machines went in some counties and they did not go in others right, and people were waiting like ten hours to vote mm-hmm. and um yeah. And it's like I said, it's, it's almost one of those things of like fighting just the popular conception of like what, what life in these states are actually like. Cause like you have a lot of people who, well, we talked about this before. Like when the hurricanes hit Houston, the people were like, well, they voted for Trump. So just let them drown. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people was like, do you know, you know, it's like, or people, or you get like every four years, you get like these like blue exit, I don't know, or whatever. It's like, yeah, we let all the red states go. It's like, hey, wait a minute. And, like, do you, you know, yeah, there's, you know, there, uh, uh, Mississippi. Well, not only you know you know, Yes, let's let's cut off the states that have the majority of black people in America. But it's like cooperation. Jackson is in the middle of uh, of in the middle of Mississippi and far more left and radical than like yeah. the vast majority of shit that goes on in you know in right. most in most traditional blue states.
2: Right, but again, suppressed.
3: Yeah, yeah, and 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 that mentality that is that you're talking about, where people who are ostensibly of the left, you know, really, really kind of just riding... A whole group of people off, not thinking about what their lives might be like, how you know the
2: you it's an absolute lack of empathy. it's so gross, yeah, yeah, yeah it really bothers me a lot, uh but anyway, but I mean it, it, that 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 is part of the problem, um, and I'm gonna call it out here, that's part of the problem here in the third district. This is ostensibly one of the most progressive districts in the country, yet our representative is a middle of the road neoliberal neo- uh, for right. the most part. And people are comfortable with that, you know. Um, his accoutrement apparently uh, equates to a personality. Uh, a bow tie and a bicycle pin, uh is a personality, or at least it, <laughs> it pulls him out of a crowd. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's more than just putting a Black Lives Matter sign in your front door or an In Our America sign. You know, for a lot of people, that's enough. I've did my part. I I, I've made my statement. But for those people i say that that statement of yours is I- indicative of your position and your privilege right because it just demonstrates that uh for you you have no real skin in the game uh if if shit hits the fan you can pass you know yeah. right
1: yeah right that would, <laughs> kind of gets back into what a lot of you know some of the leftists are talking about how the actual point of of uh, so the, the point of intersectionality is, isn't is to you, isn't like social media clout, like using it as a cudgel on each other. It's like to understand uh, in terms of skin in the game, it's understand who gets fucked by the cops and why and how. Right.
2: You know, and in, in my lifetime, I'm 45 now, I've been stopped over 40 times uh, by the police. Um, and it didn't stop happening until I actually it didn't play Holder on the back of my car. Interesting. Um, and maybe the gray hair in my beard. I guess I stopped fitting the description at a certain point. Mm. Um, but uh, I can't tell you how many non-existent broken taillights I've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times my tint has been too dark. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've fit the description. I remember one day uh, in D.C., uh, Chocolate City, I was <laughs> yeah. walking my dog uh, Sunday morning at 8.30 in the morning. And I'm walking to my dog in my neighborhood. And a couple of unmarked cars come, and cops jump out, and they said, "Hey, Tyrone." And I'm keep. Walking. They said Tyrone. Yeah, I said, and they I kept walking because that's not my fucking name, right? Right. um Yo. And by the third yo, I turn around because I'm like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "Hey, are you Tyrone?" And I was like, "No," and I kept walking. And he's like, "No, no, no, wait, 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 wait." And I was like, "Can I help you?" <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah yeah so uh, you know we were, we were looking for some and I said well I'm not who you're looking for yeah uh and good, yeah it's it's just, it just like you Golly. know it, and this this kind of thing is relentless and this is uh not special to me it is um you know most people of color yeah hit this kind of shit every day
3: and I'm not, I, I guess I'm not naive to this, but whenever I hear someone personally relay it to me, I'm like, fuck,
2: you know like, well, like you know what I mean? Like, No, here's the other thing. I mean, this weekend we had canvases, and um, uh, most of my canvassing team is white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, we go out in at least pairs for the yeah. most part. Always do buddy system when canvassing folks, if you can. Yeah. Um, and the very first door that another pair, a, a, a white pair, came to uh the lady opens the door and they're giving the spiel and everything Mm -hmm. and at least she was honest about it she was like yeah i i won't vote for him and they were asking why well i I just won't vote for a black man (laughs) and then she went on to thank you for your honesty you know well (laughs) well, here's the thing i actually appreciate the honesty because there's plenty of people that will smile and nod smile and nod and then you know yeah brush brush you off uh but uh she went on to tell them uh, you know that black folks can't be trusted uh, that they steal uh, that the, once they are in power uh, they they're corrupt and all this other stuff uh, but uh in you know that that team was like floored and I was like no that's that's not unusual right. yeah um, so um, uh, for for folks that are are are, are, are shocked by that uh, you just haven't lived a day in the life
1: well, yeah, yeah that was uh, I'll readily admit to that. Yeah, most certainly. Uh, the which is yeah, it's one of the questions I did want to talk about is like what is, um, what are the particular you know what what makes campaigning in uh in our in our particular district in Oregon here, which is,
2: is, is what it's it's east of the Willamette is it, what did, so the it, what, the third district is a little bit of Northwest Portland, a better chunk of Southwest Portland, all of Multnomah County east of the Willamette River, hmm. and the northern part of Clackamas County except for Oregon City. Uh, Milwaukee and a portion of Happy Valley. Okay, all the way out the Mount Hood and Cascade Locks. Okay. It was a weird little. Yeah, well, I mean, squiggly. All that stuff's going to change in twenty twenty two, anyways. Right. Yeah, but, but what, uh, generally it's East Portland. I mean, East Portland and Clackamas County. Okay. And Gresham and Troutdale and the like.
1: Yeah, and is there is there anything uh, from your experience that kind of makes makes having to campaign here uh, either different or
2: singular than in in most places, I guess. Well, I mean, for for here, uh, the biggest difference is people are surprised uh, that there's even a race. Uh, uh, there's this whole in- entitlement to the incumbent having been there for 24 years that people are automatically, you know, uh, voting and thinking there's only one choice. Right. Uh, and there's only been really uh, token uh, challenges to to that. This is the first campaign that's actually raised a significant amount of money, the first one. In fact, we've raised more cumulatively than all of his primary challengers combined Nice. Yeah. in 24 years.
1: Yeah, full, uh, full disclosure, I am a donor to the Outward League campaign. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, i got to tell you that this district, uh, when, when when we talk about the constituency of this district for the incumbent, that constituency is downtown. Uh, and the wealthier parts of inner Northeast, yeah, uh, and that's about it. Uh, I don't think that he's ever crossed 82nd. I don't think he's ever crossed Holgate, uh, and definitely hasn't gone out to Sandy or Malala or Estacada and places like that. And I'll tell you, uh, those are more conservative areas, but they're part of the district, and I think that you should have a representative that's going to take into consideration and represent all of the district and not just, you know, cherry-pick the folks that, you know, that are your, your folks or whatever. Yeah. So, um, we, w- what's different about this place? I can't tell you because this is the first campaign I've ever run. Hmm. Um, it is, um, refreshing to me that when we talk to people, they are excited, uh, and they are aligned for the most part. You know, we've got a few people that are staunch, uh, supporters of the in- incumbent. Um, and uh, it's hard to get, and, and and this is the funny thing because you, the word progressive, you're supposed to be open minded, right? Mm-hmm. The word progressive is you're supposed to be able to take into consideration other options, other ideas, opportunities, choices, and whatnot. Yeah, you're not hidebound. But apparently, um, uh, that stops when you when you cross the. Uh, for some po- <laughs> for some folks, it's just like you know, uh, blue no matter who or or are the incumbents. It it uh, without what? Well, have you considered some of the things? I mean, yeah, the incumbents done some really good things over the last quarter century but at the same time uh you know our homelessness situation has gone from critical to super critical there are a lot of people struggling we got lack of affordable housing and living wages and we got a climate emergency that's just only gotten lip service uh especially from somebody who claims to have written the green new deal while at the same time owning millions in fossil fuel stocks i just don't see how um, yeah you can't even just consider or, or you know open your eyes to think about these things
3: right yeah i mean that's literally duplicitous right like like you're
2: yeah i mean well a social justice champ that voted for the defense of marriage act and voted for sesta fosta yeah Uh, again say one thing and do another
3: and then there's yeah then, then there's this sort of um fallback after like something like that is pointed out well he's got seniority <laughs> yeah, well he knows how it works. You know I mean that's what you hear a lot, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
2: Like, and it's like it's like what do you do you get that a lot? Yeah, I, I do. And yeah. then I so I, I turn around and I ask, well, you know, for the seniority I th- thing I said, Yeah, he's got twelve years on the Ways and Means Committee. What has that done for the district? Right. Crickets. Yeah. When I when they I don't know. know, yeah, they don't know because there hasn't been anything. And mm. quite frankly, uh, the incumbent has been coasting for at least a decade. Uh, And quite honestly, I don't know why he wants to run again, Uh, aside from maybe getting that silver jubilee, that 25-year anniversary thing. Yeah, who knows? Uh, But really, I mean, you haven't really done a whole lot. Um, And the things that you've done have actually been damaging to this place. I mean, you know, he's been our transportation guy, so he brought in the antiquated streetcar line to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. That uh, benefited the Dutch company that uh, provided the streetcars. cars, yeah. Uh, that also benefited his buddies who did the construction, and it also benefited his buddies who happened to own the property around the, where the routes are. Uh, but the negative externalities were uh, uh, an increase in, in, in the, 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 the property values which accelerated gentrification right. and pushed people further out. And again... With the mindset of the third district just being downtown, I don't see how the streetcar really benefits. Uh, you know, well, you can the people. walk faster than that
3: damn streetcar. Yeah, car. I was it's the speed. The my sp- personal sp- testament. Yeah.
1: yeah, the speed. Yeah, speed being a big thing of it. <laughs> yeah.
3: But what? Uh, yeah. So like, like if you were, I mean, I mean that we, kind of
2: money could have gone to combating our homelessness crisis by actually providing housing for right. homeless, would for you, instance, instead of, you know, something for tourists.
3: Would you say that's his biggest accomplishment is, <sighs> sort, of, is sort of pulling that money to, I mean, I, look, I don't want to make
2: you right. say anything. Well, you know no, I mean? no, no, no. Like, I mean, I, 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 I ask you to go take a look and you tell me what he's accomplished yeah. because I can't see anything. I really don't. You know, before this year, uh, in the 24 years, he passed six things. Uh, five or six things, and I think one was renaming a post office box Martin Luther King. Right. Um, you know, s- protecting the Bull Run watershed. Yeah, the, we need water. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he's been a proponent for bicycle and weed, and that's good. Yeah, you right. we, we all love both of those things. But uh, you know, we have more pressing problems, uh, especially right. marginalized folks, especially uh, poorer folks, working class folks. We you know we, we're trying to make ends meet. We're trying to figure out how to keep a roof over our heads. We're trying to figure out, you know, if our kids are going to get educated. Um, And, you know, during those 24 years that um, he's been in office... His net worth went from five hundred thousand to ten to sixteen million.
3: Golly,
2: isn't um, that something? That's nice a,
3: work if you can get it. Did, didn't
2: have another job; had the one job. Twenty fold increase, while the rest of our district and the rest of the country remained flat, and for marginalized folks, actually declined. Uh, oh. So you know, twenty-four years of him being in office has been really good for him.
3: Yeah, that's that's but, good
2: information. Thank but you. I don't know how beneficial it has been for the rest of us. Right. Uh, and 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 I think again, going back to the movement, I think that people are starting to uh, be conscious of this and are becoming aware of this and saying, "Hey, why are we doing this? Why are we allowing these one percenters to rule over us instead of having uh, a government that's going to work for us?" Right. Um, so, in a nutshell, that's why I'm running. Um, I, I'm I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having this oligarchy because quite honestly this is supposed to be a democracy we're not supposed to have kings and kingdoms earls and earldoms mm-hmm. so or yeah. aristocrats yeah
3: very little literally earls in this situation yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: do you want to yeah let us take a quick break smoke we'll, if you got them okay <laughs> uh, at unr uh-huh. they had a, this huge 500 person uh, like engineering lecture hall and they had like seven different precincts caucus in it. Wow. So you, uh, it was um, it was a scene. It was a scene. But I'll tell you this: I mean, the the uh, the, the the local kids, the uh, like, because I met the uh, I met the, like all the heads of like students for Bernie and the local like YDSA kids. At one point, they all the YDSA folded it into students for Bernie. Shockingly, they were fucking militant. They were ready to go. The uh, the students, yeah, the students were. Uh, Patricia De La Hoya, who was like, I think, like the local uh, students for Bernie had, uh, uh, had. She was like at the beginning of the line, talking to each each person coming in like one by one, and even like a couple like there's a couple a couple dudes there for Pete that were like at one point kind of like commenting to her on whatever she was saying, and then she got really pissed off and like you should not be you know don't be aggressive, you shouldn't be assertive like that, and then she was like what, and he's like yeah, don't tokenize your race and your gender at us, and was like so pissed off she had to come over to complain to us about it so me and another one of the impl- one of the volunteers from Oakland and a hell of a lot of East Bay people were there too we just went over and just stood there he just kind of smiled and just barricade, pretty much barricaded between them and the line and uh, she, let's just say she had her claws bared <laughs> for that day <laughs> nice. did, I, did I send you that?
3: Uh, I think you may have done yeah, yeah. so wait um, oh by the way I dropped my pen and I don't know where can I just use the other there you go. go um <laughs> You, so, doing, you you do so okay sorry. all the time. Yes. These, these okay. were mayor Pete
1: people. Could, yeah, they're could, just and what were they up to? I'm sorry. Well, I, I, they you had because every campaign had precinct. He's representatives. no longer mayor. I got to stop. These are Pete. Yeah, people. this is just yeah. yeah. They're all Buttigieg people. But you had a couple dude. Uh, the one dude there who fucking uh, who was from out of state had a fucking cowboy duster and a le- brown leather cowboy hats, and was is he, is he trolling those people? I. Don't no I don't <laughs> think so. No, but they cuz like you had you um and that's the other thing with the exception of like one Asian kid for Warren, every single um every single advocate for all the other campaigns except for the Bernie ones were all white kids. Hmm. Um, you know, surprise surprise. Um but it was uh we went there and we were just observing and so I was just walking around and just doing stuff and um
2: well I got to tell you I I cannot stand that whole trope about Bernie bros being all white men. Yeah. It's just like, his is the most diverse, uh, uh, campaign period.
3: It's it's pretty insulting. Yeah. 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 To all the, all the other people that make his campaign so interesting and like historic, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, we like, like I try to tell people this: like, we have not had a candidate like this. I think maybe ever, yeah, uh, At least not 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 for a century. I don't know a lot about Eugene Debs, but is he was he always from a working class sort of? Because like like Bernie Sanders has always been. Yeah, uh, who's the little guy? That's who I'm after. You know, that's who I'm after. Helping uh, a working class perspective, and like we've never had a candidate like that before. It's not just about like he has the right. You know, he has the most. Left
1: views on things, right? He, he anyway. Sorry, I don't. I don't. I don't and to make this and about even that, and yeah, and even even Debs was like, yeah, we sh-, you know it's our you know even Debs in the Socialist Party were like they didn't want to get in they they weren't too down with like civil rights and though they thought it was like a, it was a separate struggle so even they like limited themselves right. that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Okay, three topics that I wanted to talk about really quick. One, one was uh, going off of what you mentioned before. Can you talk about Let's start with this one. Can you, uh, and you know, you've, coming from your own experiences too, can you talk about the mindsets that you encounter whenever you talk to people about just the needs of, like, houseless people in Portland especially? Yeah. Because it's kind of a thing where... Uh, And Citations Needed, uh, another great podcast mentions, especially whenever uh, houseless people are always, you know, they're like this weird prop for local news. Right. And nothing gets local property owners, especially certain neighborhood association people, going, like, almost, like, just openly straight fash as fast as possible
2: Mm -hmm. than, like, just seeing maybe some, like, you know, some some of those bad people around. Right. No. I mean, you, you see it with the million dollars boulders, million dollars worth of boulders all over the place. Yeah. Um. So, you know, when I'm knocking on doors uh, Homelessness, houselessness is a topic And, you know, when we first placed it on our website We said houselessness It is a confusing yeah, word that, that's, for that's for, what, for a lot of people Some people
3: balk at that I mean, yeah. It's the
2: normal sort of like We're trying so to change the it's debate It's just like, yeah. look, okay We'll call it homelessness Right, okay, we'll, sure we'll, we'll call it homelessness But, um, you know, really people split down the middle uh, for a lot of people, it is a humanitarian issue. We've got people living on the streets, right? But then there is another set that is a safety and security issue, um, and and for for those folks, they have they have the mindset that the homeless are or the houseless. That is a lifestyle. They want to do that, or they're lazy, or they're drug addicted, or they're mentally ill. They're sponging off the system, right? And I've got. And I've got a perfect story for them, because I tell them about when we were homeless, when we were houseless, it was because of a situation that was outside of our control. You know, it was because of domestic violence that we got into that situation. Quite frankly, for a lot of people, uh, it is the, the, the system that we have here, where we have an incredibly low minimum wage, it just takes one car accident. Mm-hmm. One medical bill, one eviction, and you can find yourself homeless, yeah, house and, and you
3: can be evicted by the way, through no fault of your own, right, yeah,
2: so, or a rent increase, you right. know when the rent increases by ten percent and you get a one percent raise, uh do that a couple of times and you're done, right,
1: uh, yeah, and it should be noted in in the or in org, in local Portland politics, we have a former mayor who is now a full- on landlord represent getting funded by landlords openly attacking the one renter on city council. Wow. Yep.
2: But uh, now now to go back to the point, though. So I, I, I talked to them, and I explained the situation. I'm like, look, people get to be houseless out of a wide variety of circumstances. And then once you're in that environment, it is easy to um, try to cope through a drink or drug. It is easy for mental illness to manifest because of your condition, the right. environment that you're in.
1: Mass exposure, yeah. Yes.
2: It is uh, a symptom. It's not uh, a source of the homelessness issue or the houselessness issue. And, uh, you know, we spend so much money trying to combat, to push it away, to to whitewash it, to whatever. To punish it. To punish it, yes. Instead of actually trying to cure it. Right. And there is a simple cure, and in fact, our incumbent has just decided to co-opt that cure from, from our talking points. Uh, yeah, I it, got a flyer, so he must be... Oh, thank you. Thank you for bringing up the <laughs> yeah, flyer. Yeah. So um, that's the second flyer that he sent out with taxpayer dollars. So if you look on it, it says funded by taxpayer oh, dollars. Interesting. Uh, now, he did one at the end of the year, and he did that one at the end of the year. Is that legal? Well, here, here's here's how he framed the one at the end of the year. <laughs> the end of the year, he framed it as an end-of-the-year report. Now, oh. I don't remember seeing an end-of-the-year <laughs> report any other year right. before. Hmm. This last one, I don't know what he said, but that end-of-the-year report talked about the three points that we bring up. Homelessness, the lack of living wages and affordable housing, and the climate emergency. Hmm. And then this one... What did he bring up? you brought I, up. I
3: don't recall. I'm yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah, but it, it, it was just basically an, a free advertisement for him. Uh, not free. You paid for it, right? Uh, we it's
3: we paid for it. Certainly free for him.
2: So um, he subsidized that. Yeah, a a taxpayer subsidized advertisement. Uh, yeah, I guess he paid for the printing, but uh, but uh, the the postage was. Well, no, it said taxpayer paid. So, yeah, well,
3: you get that franking permission or whatever as a congressperson, so maybe you get to. S-
2: at any rate. So, right. so I don't know. So, um, you know, he's built up a war chest of $800,000. Uh, didn't have to use any of that to reach out to all of the district, uh, residents of the district. I got two, cause I got a post office box in a, mm-hmm. a residential box. Must be fun. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I got two copies of that. Uh, so that's a, what a dollar piece. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at any rate, um, what were we talking about? Yes. Uh, housing, housing. So, uh, you know, I, I talk to them, and, and, and there's really a really neat solution. So the first part is housing first. You want to solve homelessness? Provide housing, okay? Yeah. Uh, that, SLC that is doing it. Is Salt Lake City, New Orleans, the the Scandinavian countries have all done it, and it is working. It is succeeding. You know, Salt Lake City, they, they demonstrate that it's $18,000 a year to house somebody instead of $80,000 a year to put them in jail. Right. Uh, that, but, but, again, this is because of... Uh, Uh, you know, uh, with a for-profit prison, somebody's making money off of it. Right. Uh, But in Finland, they effectively eradicated houselessness this year, this last year. Now, you mate that Housing First Project policy program with a single-payer Medicare for All system that includes comprehensive medical care. That's your body and mind. So that's not only your body, your teeth, your eyes, but also your mind, your right. mental health, your uh, and, and drug dependency issues. You put, you put those two things together and you will mitigate homelessness, houselessness, and you will actually take care of the people, which is what the federal government is supposed to do.
3: Right. I mean, I often think that the people that are being awakened right now in the political process uh, are people that I would say sort of culturally in the United States have been traumatized they're depressed people you know what I mean we have a like a in uh, 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 epidemic let's say especially among the uh uh poor people and people of color uh anyone sort of un- marginalized this this and 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 they need that help that you're talking about right and and it's important to say that like the fight isn't just so that you can go to the doctor and get a checkup you know no uh but but also like let's help you to get to a
2: better place yeah yeah yeah. and it's look i mean we live in a community we live in a society uh for the benefit of all and you know i don't care how selfish you are but we have to provide for the basic foundational supports for everyone uh if we don't it's not good for anyone
3: right well i think that when you see that in portland you know like Portland, uh, for people who are outside of Portland that don't know, it's got a pretty mild climate. You know what I mean? It doesn't get very cold very much, and it yeah. doesn't get very hot very much. Oh, so that's
2: changing. It oh, is. Yeah. Cha- it is changing. We'll,
3: funny, let's, like- let's
1: make sure we talk more about that. But yeah, we we live in an unair conditioned city, <laughs> which, like last,
3: yeah, yeah, you notice it more and more every summer, don't you? It's funny how that works. Yeah. But uh, the the point I was trying to make is that we have had it's <laughs> <laughs> the water upstairs.
1: The fun of living, the fun of uh, living and recording in a Victorian house. Nah.
3: you need to get a light put upstairs that says like we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just- <laughs> Sorry, Albert, I know that you weren't in- expecting to be interviewed <laughs> during uh, listening to the neighbors' water pipes, but it's part of the charm of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. blinking on air. Yeah, uh, b- but what I was getting at is that like you know we have a large homeless population here. Some. Uh, uh, I don't know why I brought up the mildness of the climate. Let's let's just table that. We have a large, as many urban as many cities in the United States do, have a large and growing homeless population, and I think
2: that. But let's get to the point about why we yeah. have this large homelessness population. You know, initially when I first got here in two thousand and five, uh, that was the first thing I noticed was that we had a crisis when it came to houselessness here. Yeah, and when I drove back here across country in twenty fifteen. I noticed it across the country. Right. And the thing is, uh, of 40 years of a suppression of a minimum wage, while wow, we've had an increase in productivity, which provided immense profits that have been concentrated to those at the very top, okay? So, we have a system where we have concentrated the wealth. I know that in 2015, Bernie Sanders was talking about nine people owning as much as the bottom half of Americans. Today, he talks about three. 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 Yeah. And what is like, it going to be? Wow, like what a jump, right? That is an amazing jump. And what is it next year? One, this is unsustainable. And we see that it's unsustainable because we see people suffering. Um, the suppression of the minimum wage is a suppression of all wages. Um and when you when you are looking at all levels of income uh for the ninety nine percent, a vast a good chunk of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Regardless of what stratus uh, stratosphere or uh, strata you you are within that 99 um that is unsustainable that is uh it's got to stop you know uh when we talk about mike bloomberg uh running for president you know he spent hundreds of millions of dollars right and that sounds We've like a like 400 plus so far 400 plus right and it sounds like a lot of money to you and i but when you look at it relative to somebody's personal income, uh, somebody made the c- c- comparison. He bought a, a large pepperoni pizza. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, that's effectively what it was. Right. And when he was criticizing Bernie for having a net worth of $2 million, his net worth is 30,000 times Bernie's. Right. So uh, the, the scale is just absurd. Uh, not only is it absurd, it's immoral and is obscene. Um, There is no reason why any individual should have and hold that much money, and there's no purpose to it. There's no utility to it other than to say, I have it and you don't.
1: Right, right. It's kind of a thing that that much... Because of uh, because money is conceived as as reward as like it's moralized like everything else, so it seemed as reward for hard work, but not, But it's kind of a thing. But it also that whole like you know we have a we have a system where ostensibly you're supposed to be one person, one vote. i.e. Uh, each person has an equal amount of power. That kind of you know the two things don't really go, uh, go well together. Right. Awesome. Um. One. I think the one of the other topics I wanted to bring up, especially, the, uh, very relevant to. We're not just Portland, but you know more and more cities. Can we talk about just the the, uh, the racial and colossal breakdown of bike lanes and like p- pretty much who wants them and how they want to, how they tend <laughs> to get deployed? Yeah. If you want to get into
2: the subject at all. Yeah. No. I'll I'll, I'll get into the subject because, um, you know, when I was living on the East Coast, I was an avid biker, and it wasn't necessarily because I liked the bike. It was the cheapest form of transportation for me. Um, when I lived in DC, um, I biked because it was not only the cheapest, but it was also the fastest right. uh, transportation for me. Uh, the bus and the metro would cost me buck fifty to three bucks round trip. Yeah, and, say, Metro's up there nowadays, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And uh, you know, driving a car is parking and, and and fees and everything else. So uh, I biked year round uh, in DC yes. uh, because. I I couldn't afford to do anything otherwise. Uh, So it was a necessity. Um, Now, I know plenty of folks that uh, bike and commute to work uh, out of necessity here. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about bike lanes and when you're talking about uh, all of that, uh, all of those inputs, all of those um, uh, things tend to go to the wealthier areas first. Uh, They tend to uh, be petitioned by people who have bikes that cost more than most people's cars. I was
3: just thinking about that. People with $4,000 bikes or or more. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, And it is, um, you know, I'm all for biking, and I think that we should have more bike lanes and we should have um, uh, less cars. Uh, quite honestly I think that we should probably get rid of 25% of our roads and dedicate those roads to bikes and buses only. Oh man,
3: that would make me so happy.
2: Yeah. It would incentivize people to get out of their cars for one thing.
3: And just the noise. Like one of the, the thing I hate about the city is the noise mm-hmm. and cars are the majority of the noise problem.
2: Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, uh, like I said before, I have got a shift job. When I go in the morning, it's out in Beaverton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look across a vast parking lot and I see a bunch of late model economy cars right that people are driving and it's not because they want to drive those cars it's because they have to uh because there isn't a public transportation system that is robust uh that is uh cheap or free which i think it should be right uh so effectively uh we subsidize the profits of corporations and businesses through the forced ownership of vehicles so right um, for and here's the thing it is a regressive tax because the poorer you are, the larger uh, that that car ownership is of your budget mm-hmm. uh, the the cost of the car note itself, the insurance, the maintenance, the wear and tear um, all of that uh, and then you factor in uh, if you are uh, lower in the in the uh, socioeconomic s- scale. It means your insurance is higher too, because you're not living in, in wealthier areas, right?
3: And there's the, the, another class aspect of it too, is that very often, and and you know, it's often people that feel like they're well-meaning, then they're also sort of the bike lane people who get the bike lanes at, uh, at the ex- at the exclusion of others. They're the kind of first people to bring up like a like a toll, mm-hmm. you know, like like
2: tolls for oh, cars, and it's so like, like that's so awful for poor I, people. I, I, I'm telling you, I am so upset about the whole tolling situation that they're talking about. I, I remember I went down to ODOT a couple years ago when they were first talking about this, and I said, look, you, you first of all, you kicked out all of the working class people through gentrification. From the center of the city, From the yeah. center of the city. You forced them out to Fairview, Gresham, Vancouver, and further out. Right. And now you want to charge them.
3: Punish them to come you into the city. You want to punish
2: not only that, but Oh, but it is a it's a congestion pricing. Well, guess what? Congestion pricing means that the people who work shift jobs, who don't have control of their schedules, are going to get punished. And if you're wealthy enough, you can avoid that by going out. I'll, I'll, I'll roll in a little later, right? You know, I will I, work or from I'll ho- ride my damn bike. You I'll, know I'll, I mean? I'll work yeah. from home today, or yeah, tel- or yes. I'll ride my five thousand dollar bike down the <laughs> yeah. bike lane. Um, or tel- but, telecommute because yeah. you're working that kind of a job. Yeah. But uh, and not only that, these these knuckleheads aren't thinking because when when you do a congestion pricing, you're automatically pushing people onto surface roads. This is going to increase uh, uh, traffic and congestion within surface streets, which is going to increase fatalities. It's mm-hmm. going to increase uh, uh, accidents, and it's going to increase deaths. Right, um, and
3: that means like kids can't play and right. they don't feel safe to play. And I, I hate that stuff. You know and what
2: I mean? and here's the thing. You cannot do that and not offer offer an alternative. The alternative should be free public transit, right. high sure. frequency, free public transit on roads that are dedicated to buses only, so they're they're not stuck yeah, in traffic. Absolutely. So incentivize people to get out of their cars, and you won't you need that congestion pricing because there won't be any congestion. Right,
3: <laughs> and the and the uh, the incumbent has shown that you can get money for mass transit. It's just how how do you use right. it? Right. Uh, yeah.
2: Again, if you don't have the perspective or the mindset or 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 the lived experience to understand it, you're never going to get to a solution that's going to be workable. Right, Mm. And that's another uh, appeal, again, to say that uh, we need to diversify our representation to not only those at the very top, but to working-class folks, to people that have some lived experience and and understand things that, quite frankly, they don't.
3: Yeah. I I really think that one of the biggest problems in American politics in general is – that a lot of people don't know what it's like to be like truly poor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean like 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 they they might be their lives might be precarious in ways that they
2: don't see. <laughs> Listen, I remember when I was in DC, uh, uh I I had a buddy um who told me, you know, he he his family's immigrants from Spain or whatever and he's like, you know, oh, you know, we have it so rough dude's got a summer home in the Hamptons and they had a a nice apartment down in New York and his parents paid for his Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee and his apartment in DC. And he's like, and then I I called him out on it. I was like, well, you know, they worked really hard. And I'm just like, don't, don't even tell me you've been struggling. You do not know the struggle. Um, Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: So, but that's the thing. I mean, Regardless of where people are on the pla- on the on the socioeconomic background, when you ask an American, "What are they?" They're middle, middle class. Middle class. Yeah, they are middle class. You can be poor as fuck and you're a middle class.
3: Middle classness is like yeah. the idea is like a, a virus that we all have. Well, yeah.
2: I mean, every rom com. Is set in a middle class setting, which is really an upper class. Yeah, setting, right, upper, you know?
3: Yeah, upper middle. At, 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 Becky at works
2: part time at the coffee shop, <laughs> right? And she runs into Bob, who is a part time. <laughs> He's uh, an tennis actor. Yeah. yeah, and, the, and, the, and, the, and they, they live in this, uh, you know, million dollar mansion. <laughs> right. Yeah, so um, I guess that's the American dream: is to call yourself middle class and truly be a part of the upper class. Right.
3: That's a whole aspirational thing that. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. That's ideology at work, I guess you could say. Yeah, in full
1: effect. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, and on the... uh, We don't have to get all Marxist on this one, but... (laughs) Oh, I'm happy to. Yeah. As as, uh, the late Eric Olan... Eric Olin Wright, I think yeah. his name was. Yeah, he talked about the difference between imagining real utopias. Well, you're right. the the the, the you have the two different uh the two different theory time two different versions of a class. You have a class based on like a little to some to a lot versus a uh a more of a Marxist imagination of class, which is where is your position in the economy. You know, do you have, to, are you the one who owns all the shit, or are you the one who doesn't right. own anything? Therefore, you have to go. You know, you have to go pretty much just work for somebody. You have to go work for somebody who owns all stuff. you have stuff. to
3: go you, you're probably in congress right now right and that's what albert's trying to deal with right that too
1: And again, on that note, on the let's uh, because it's an ex- an extremely uh, an extremely topical subject. Uh, can we talk about the Bernie Sanders campaign? Yes,
2: I got to tell you. Uh, first of all, the reason why I'm doing this is because of Bernie. Um, in 2015, he was the first candidate, first politician that I ever gave money to. Uh, he was the first uh, candidate that I ever knocked on doors for. First candidate I ever made calls for. Uh, same with my wife. He, he activated both of us, and we gave and, and volunteered multiple times. And then, um, you know, at some point, he apparently lost <laughs> the 2016 primary. I guess. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, at that point, my, my wife and I kind of looked at each other, and we were like, well, well shit, what now? Yeah, you know, Our candidate lost, apparently. But we really kind of held on to what he said, and it was not me, it's us. And so we started getting involved within our community. So I started getting involved with a lot of different things, including uh, I jumped on to TriMet's Transit Equity Advisory Committee, which cool. mm-hmm. kind of works and makes sure that uh, whatever major things that TriMet does, we, we take a look at the disparate impact and how it affects all people, uh, in particular marginalized folks. You know, you change a bus route, that's going to impact somebody, right? Yep. Every um, bus route change, yeah. without a doubt. So uh, I got uh, appointed to the Citizens Review Committee, which is the Police Oversight Committee from the city. So, mm-hmm. uh, City Council appointed me to that. Um, there was an eleven panel, uh, eleven member panel uh, that did police oversight uh, review. Listen to some really horrendous.
3: Yeah, that's we could do a whole episode on that. I feel like
2: horrendous things that cops do and get away with. Yeah. Uh, the the sad thing about it is that 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 group that organization. Is really window dressing for the cops. Um, Oh, there's there's no teeth to to the situation. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Um, The the you know the standard of review is such that uh, basically uh, anything uh, that happens is okay. Uh, So it's just to look like they're doing something, right? So the standard of review is would a reasonable person within uh, the what is how does it go? Would a reasonable person uh, within uh, could a reasonable person have come to the same conclusion as a reviewing officer and 99% of the time the answer is yes uh, a reasonable person could have come to that conclusion sure. it's not whether or, uh, that decision was right or wrong it's not whether or not that that initial act was right or wrong it's whether they could have come to that conclusion based on the evidence that was provided. that
3: probably them. has something to do with uh, uh, um, legal yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, window dressing for the cops. Right. Um, you know, I started getting involved with, uh, the, uh, Apano, Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon, social justice champs, uh, with an API focus, but really looking at, uh, social justice across the board within the state and the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, got involved with the NAACP, found out that that wasn't really doing as much as I thought it was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of stepped away from that. Um, and in addition to that, worked with the, the Giving Tree, which is a, uh, an organization that works with folks that are in low-income housing, like the Morrison and Helen Swindells and mm-hmm. Fountain Place, uh, mm-hmm. uh, single-room occupancy, and really trying to increase um, a community there. So the first thing that somebody gets when, when they finally got a place of their own, you know, four walls and a roof and a door, is they close themselves in. Right. You know, I got a place. And so what the Giving Tree did was send out resident volunteer coordinators and stuff, and they knock on doors and say, hey, how's it going? Would you like to meet your neighbor? Hey, would you like to come to a movie night? Basically, to rehumanize people that have been dehumanized for right. years, uh, Very and cool. and and so that that I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in in addition to that, I started getting involved politically. I started I joined the Democratic Party. <laughs> uh, my wife and I became uh, elected precinct committee people, and we were there to change the world. And so we we go there and we found out that.
1: Uh, Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah! You can see the uh, the acceptance uh, up there on the wall. That is my uh, my little uh, welcome to be a CPC that I got elected to in May of two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah. Also, I did uh, to support your guys' campaigns. I did rejoin. Yeah. I did uh, like petition and rejoin as a CPC for the local PCP. a r- uh, PCP yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, for
2: for multiple Dems. But I, I also did uh, get elected to the state central committee. Um, and I I got the most votes for Multnomah County so I guess that's something that's cool um but uh, in addition to that, obviously joined the Democratic Socialists of America, mm-hmm. uh, has, have gotten involved. And what I found was that, uh, you know, on top of my 50-plus-hour job as a dean, I was doing another 10, 15 hours of volunteer work on the side. Uh-huh. That didn't feel like volunteer work. It felt like really getting involved and engaged with the community. Uh, one of the problems was I felt like I was spreading myself really thin yeah. and yep. not really accomplishing Even if time. it
3: feels good, it still yeah. wears you down. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, you know, kind of step back from a lot of things right now. Uh, I am uh, still a uh, board member at APANO, mm-hmm. and I am a, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Uh, got that appointment uh, a while back, but I actually haven't gotten to, I got to sit in on a one conference call, but uh, we haven't re- – I think there's another one that's coming up pretty soon. Mm. But, uh Yeah, so, long story short, got involved with civics, uh, got involved with community, got involved with politics, and I said, you know what, Uh, I'm looking at things the way that they are right now, and uh, something's got to give. Right. Because, quite honestly, the system, the way it's set up right now is a a farce. It it is a system that is built to maintain the status quo, uh, and too many people are drinking the Kool-Aid, too many people are just like, you know, my team raw, and it's just like, for those folks, it's like um, gang warfare. It's just like it's just like this. college is, sports. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like these are real people's lives.
3: It's pretty amazing to hear your trajectory too, from like Bernie running, saying like, "Hey, here's someone that's actually different." Mm-hmm. We had a taste of that with Nader a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, ultimately, like we we were not ready for that, and right. uh, to hear someone, wow, this is someone that's really different, and then you get deeper into politics in a way and then you you start to see you know sort of the the ugly yeah, side right. of it a bit and then all of a sudden we're all we're we're now you are like at the vanguard of uh something kind of Jeremy smiled what when i said that i don't i don't mean as i'm not casting aspersions to the russian revolution there but <laughs> like you're part of the vanguard if of, we
1: had a vanguard
3: party <laughs> <laughs> but like you're you're part of the vanguard of of this changing mindset right uh, with regard to American politics, and I get really stoked about it, so it's it's just cool to hear it. Yeah, no,
2: and and I, I got not so tell much y- a question, but a comment. I, yeah. th- I think I think that that really is because of Bernie. I, I I yeah. He 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 has been fighting for this for forty years, and he has been by himself for a very long time. Right. Um. And you know, we because nobody likes him, right? Apparently. <laughs> But, you know, we get we get the breakthrough in 2016. We get another breakthrough in 2018. And I'm hoping that we see the walls come down in 2020. I hope that we get... I, I know there's 120 uh, good, good people that are running. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that a good 10, 15, 20, 30... Yeah. Who are, you t-
3: are you talking to anyone? Are you in contact with anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
2: I'm in contact with uh, a good portion of folks within Brand New Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know that we we, we recently lost one... Um, who um, stepped down up in uh, Washington 3rd, uh, Peter Khalil, he, he he was a fire, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sad to see him go, and I, I've been trying to reach back out to him, but I can understand if you need time away. Right. Because, look, this whole system is not meant for mere mortals. This is a luxury. Running for office is a luxury for the wealthy. It right. is not meant for mere mortals to do, and without support from everybody else, uh, uh, it's not going to happen, and I and I truly appreciate that everybody's giving and supporting Bernie and AOC and and Cenk and others. Uh, but there are others out here, right. myself included, that do need the support as well. Um, and I and I get it. You know, we we've got this whole hierarchy where we want to flip Trump first, right? We got to get Trump out of office, and we want to try to flip uh, uh, the Senate, the Senate, yeah, and then we want to flip red states blue, and then we want to make blue states bluer. So in that. Diagram I'm Hier- on, the, on that hierarchy I'm on the bottom. And I get that. Um but here's the thing. Um it is the entire system. It's not just one figurehead. It's not just uh the evil Republicans, but it is the entire system where you have people that are, you know, got scratching each other's back that are a part of it because they all benefit from the same thing.
3: Right. And by all means give to Bernie, but you know, we here in Portland have Albert to give to, uh, and and actually you know your buck goes farther with with a campaign like yours uh, mm-hmm. you know and um and is and the results of which will be more readily apparent uh so well look
2: you know bernie's going to need he's going to need an army to come with right. him yeah. and uh otherwise he's going to face you know i mean you saw what Obama got yeah exactly um and it'll be it'll be worse for him but um Uh, But by all means, we need we need President Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, as Matt Crispin said, even if, you know, it might not bring the revolution, but it's a necessary precondition. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's said that we're recording this in. When the hell is this? Mid late February, I guess, in the middle of interesting times. Like we, there was just um on a Monday night a week ago. In fact, we I delayed. Or we were suppo- originally going to record this a week ago, but a week ago on Monday night was the first big Bernie rally up in 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 Tacoma, which is in about uh, about a three hour drive. Well, two and a half with you know, unless so you hit traffic. And it turns out we hit traffic, and a couple of us went up there, and it was, you know, I. You probably saw the video of it, but it was like um, 17,000 people there from all over the Pacific Northwest. Like, I know folks who came up from Corvallis. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, same and it was just you know it well, was well 17,000 plus yeah right? 17,000
1: plus there was like was in at the Tacoma Dome and um again it's like in a thing i would recommend if you go online and find the if you can't find the the the, the rally stream from there find the uh, the video of Shama Sawant's opening remarks cuz she kind of opened the stream and you know
2: what? i think i caught that on video
1: yeah, like she, like she first talked about how, and like it was literally just tearing shit up and just you know openly calling for like we need a mass, so, like literally saying we need a mass socialist movement.
0: We need a powerful socialist movement to end all capitalist oppression and exploitation.
1: And we, you know, it was like we need to, you know, we need to elect Bernie Sanders, and we, ne- we need to form a, we need to form a, a, a new party of, you know, of for and by the working class, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're like hell yeah, there we go, like, uh, you know, Socialist Party USA, we're, you know, American Labor Party, let's go, and you know, even with like, you know, well-meaning Bernie crowd, like, like I said, straight out said we need a socialist revolution or whatever, and you know, seventeen thousand people cheered her, mm-hmm. it was great.
0: So. We need to elect Bernie, and we need a new party of, by, and
1: for working people. Yeah, must have been a pretty powerful experience. Yeah, it was hell. We We stopped at the way home. We stopped at the Denny's. That is... It's like it's like somewhere between like Tacoma and Lacey, and there's like twelve other people in the Denny's. Of, of that course, nine. I've
3: been there, Jeremy. Yeah. Just <laughs>
1: well, no, it's just, well if you're driving home from if you're, you're you're making that trip from from Seatac down to Portland, there's that Denny's that's right there. Yeah, you we need, stopped in you there. Need
3: some moons over Miami, <laughs> and it's, you got to get into that 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 Denny's.
1: Yeah, the other you know the other ten or twelve people who were in there were all were all had all come from the rally, and everybody, everybody had their own kind of like different form of
2: like homemade Bernie shirt. So it was uh, we were in interesting times. Yeah, well, I mean, it was funny because I had somebody send me an article today from the Daily Cause that said uh, Bernie Sanders and the end of the socialist boogeyman, and it was a nice little article that basically said that the word the S word the S word yeah is is no longer um, fair Bolton.
3: I I think you're right, and and it was so funny because I, I I was listening to uh, on Democracy Now today. I guess it happened a few maybe a few days ago, but it was Paul Krugman and mm-hmm. uh, Richard Wolff talking about. It, you know, Paul Krugman's like, well, I don't know that Bernie should be calling himself a socialist. He called it self indulgent, and it's like, yeah, all right, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, I, the- I don't hate Paul Krugman or anything. <laughs> it's it's just like
1: it's just like this is your problem that he uses the word socialist. I, it's just it seems so cheesy. That's to the me. thing. Yeah, I mean, at some point, it's 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 not the most accurate, of course, but it's like. I mean, it's like the words, you know, the word "social democrat" is like less less known in this country than the word "socialist." Yeah, is, yeah. So.
3: Yeah, if you said "social democrat," exactly, like it'd be like, "Oh, uh, I don't, I don't understand what that means." Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it is an interesting times then. uh we, well and again thank you very much albert for your yeah. time here uh the, the only thing we have that's anything close to a regular segment on the show is recommendations on and endorsements do you have anything you've been digging on uh that you would
2: like to share with others oh wow you know uh i've been focusing on a lot of campaigning and a lot of working and not a lot of anything else um <laughs> You know You I, don't
3: have to go first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please you go first. Let
2: me think about this one.
3: Um what what I have, I'm gonna do a thing that I've done before on the show and recommend something I've recommended before, but it's because I had I, I uh it was a book I read that I reread and I got a lot more out of it this time. It's a book called The Passions and the Interests by Albert Hirschman, who's an economist. And it's an oh, yeah. it's an intellectual history uh about the the kind of how we got to the point where Back in like the time of St. Augustine, like the 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 desire to acquire things and money was mm-hmm. sort of seen as one of the chief vices mm-hmm. to where we are by the time like Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations where um it is this like positive thing, to where we are now where like that whole mentality is like kind of metastasized and is bizarre and, and, and kinda of gross. Well not kind of gross, it's to me it's very disgusting. But mm-hmm. uh but it's a really interesting book. It's not long, it's like a hundred and you know, 30 pages and goes through this whole, you have to, I, I, I recommend reading it slowly because you can miss a lot in the subtlety because mm. it is clearly written. Um, something else, what else have I dug or dugged? I saw Malcolm X again. They were playing at the Hollywood Theater here in Portland on on, uh, on 70 millimeter film. What a magnificent movie. That yeah, like, was such a good movie. Yeah, it was. Um, so watch that. Uh, I mean, if you can see it in 70 millimeters, go for it. Do I have anything? I'm sure I have something else. Jeremy, why don't you go? Do you have anything?
1: Uh, I will recommend canvassing uh, because it's one of those things where uh, oh, you have to get, one up get, me with this, can't can't this can't getting non-trivial well, stuff. Well, not well. Uh, well, I got trivial shit too. <laughs> um, canvassing <laughs> getting involved, <laughs> volunteering. Like there are people, be it well, you know, both for both for the Bernie campaign and also for you, whatever. Most of you in America are. I mean, because the vast majority of our listeners are American. Shocking. There's also um, there you know, but we ha- we do have because we're on the internet. We do have a global reach. Uh, if you so, if you're in a position to, like I said. Just Get involved in uh, in like local politics, electoral or not, um, and uh, you know some folks can do you know you can phone banking is rough, I hate it. However, you can also text for candidates, mm-hmm. and the, there's a huge like texting for Bernie thing. And uh, but not, last but not least, just get get a person with you who's uh, maybe have done it a couple more times than you have, and just go go out canvassing. It's pretty much it's easy to sell. Most people are okay. Well, Garrett.
3: I just wanted to say that I've canvassed a handful of times, uh, largely inspired by the Bernie campaign from 2016, and I've never really had what I would call a really bad experience. Like, I think people are really freaked out by it, but I personally uh, was very pleasantly surprised by my experience of it, even when I met with people that were like, no, you know what I mean? Like, Like, it wasn't that bad at all, and it was, you know, it's nice to
2: be out people people actually like to be listened to and, yeah and that's the thing you know we've been able to flip republicans we've been able to flip independents and some pretty far right folks just by having a conversation yeah um and i think i think people genuinely like to be heard
3: yeah i mean if they're answering the door like they're motivated to like listen to you and you have a moment to like mm-hmm. try and change their mind or at least get them to start to think a little bit differently
1: and it's pretty cool i i really
3: enjoyed it to be honest with you yeah
1: yeah, and uh as in just this last weekend, uh And so the other recommendation I have is uh get yourself a used Nintendo Switch, especially <laughs> if it comes in real handy. If you say at the last minute, decide to join a van pool of people driving down to Reno to go cannabis and <laughs> Bernie and you want to stay sane in a, in, a, in a van for the nine to 11 hour trip. Yeah, uh a, a Nintendo Switch and a copy of uh, Breath of the Wild that you borrowed off of another friend are I will heavily recommend that. Uh, and that, but yeah, another than that, yeah, you know, canvas and phone bank and do whatever because we just, uh, we, we were, uh, a handful of us were in Reno for the Nevada primary this last week. And I really need, I really need to record a quick little episode about that and post about the just experiences because it was, that was a hell of a time being there. Um, it was, <laughs> they, they, uh, we got picked up on that on Saturday from, because we were, we were, you know, observing the caucus at, at the University of Nevada, Reno. We got picked up from there. Before we even made it to the Thai restaurant where we grabbed food at, they had ar- they had already called it. Wow! So that nice. was that was that was it was that wow. kind of a thing. Wow. So yeah, it's we were it is we living in very weird and uh, very uh, very exciting times for better or worse.
3: Jeremy, do you want me to interview you about the the caucus experience? And I could do it in a real like self important inside the actors studio sort of way. <laughs>
1: sure, why not? <laughs> Just think we'll, about it. We'll figure something out. <laughs>
2: But um did you have anything or yeah you, you too busy I'll tell you what um, there because I am too busy uh, there are two things that I do recommend and one of my I was telling you about earlier is to get some exercise Um yep. uh, it, it, it helps with your not only your your body but your mind yeah um, Canvassing, so, you could do that yeah um, for for me I'd I missed the gym for a couple of weeks and those last three days I've been able to get back in and it's really helped um, to relieve some stresses and to uh, settle things and then the other thing is to get some sleep yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Burn,
1: burn the adrenal and the cortisol yeah yeah
3: you're not getting much sleep though these days let's face it right Sleeping chips yeah <laughs> that's cool though can you sleep? you must be good at sleeping you, you know to sleep i was really I, fast I, right I, now
2: I, it's a light sleep because you're scared to death you're not going to wake up yikes you're, yeah <laughs> what was it sleep is the sleep is the cousin of death <laughs> 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 well you're doing the right thing. Sorry about your sleep. Yeah, you no. know that's the cost. It's, of it. a, it's a short-term deal, but you know, um, I'm, 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 uh, looking forward uh, to a time when we can get a little bit more sleep. But for right now, um, we're going to focus on this and, and do what we can to win. Fantastic, awesome. Where can folks find out more about uh, your background, your platform, donate all sorts of the usual stuff at AlbertLee2020.com on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook as well. For Instagram, it's Albert Lee for Congress. For Twitter and Facebook, it is Albert Lee 2020. Excellent. And when is the primary again? The primary is May 19th, and this is really important. Uh, it is a closed primary, meaning you have to be a registered Democrat to actually have a, an opportunity to vote for a choice. Uh, the cutoff for that is April 28th. Yep. So you need to register register as a Democrat, Yes, for some of you, you need to hold your nose and register as a Democrat uh, in order to get the vo- in order to get a choice. Because quite frankly, whoever wins in no- uh, in in May goes on to win in November because this is an eighty percent plus Democratic district.
3: Yeah,
1: so just register as a Democrat, y'all. It, it's a, yeah, point, it's pretty registration is such an odd thing cuz it's you're not you know it's it, we again we moralize it so much It's like no it's just you you check a box and it allows you to to vote in like the important you know the, yeah, if you don't
3: thing. register you can't do anything yeah. you know what i mean and, you can
2: always unregister afterwards yeah
3: yeah just set a, a calendar reminder and you're you're good to go
1: <laughs> so yeah that's so uh check that one out folks uh Garrett you have any um any anything you want to uh plug or uh tough folks app
3: uh well, I guess uh, you know my. I have a group that plays here in Portland at the Landmark Saloon every third Tuesday of the month. Uh, you guys, no, guys have a name yet, or this new one? We just we just arrived at a name. We're called Western Supply Company, um, and yeah, we play every third Tuesday at the Landmark. Excellent. it's fun. It's country music of all you know eras and whatnot. So, if you like that sort of thing, come down because we there's no cover. So we need your tips to get paid. Excellent,
1: <laughs> Albert. Are there any events coming up in this? This will go up within. Hopefully, I can get this up within a week's time. Is there any like big events coming up in the next couple few weeks?
2: Yeah. So I mean, at the end of this week, we have a benefit concert um, at the Kelly's Olympian. On what day? Uh, that is on the 29th. It's a fundraising concert. It's going to be a, a duo, Paige Christman and Albert Lee. Cool. Uh, so that's at the Olympian. I think that one starts at. Eight on Friday. Uh, that's a Saturday night. Um, in addition to that, we are always doing a lots of canvassing, especially on the weekends. Um, I've got an event um, with uh, the Black Community of Portland later on on Sunday. Well, I'm flipping through here. Um, just a lot of um, a lot of canvassing events. So you can you can find most of the things online uh, at Albert Lee 2020. If you go to the Get Involved page. Uh, you'll see a calendar of events and plug and play from there. Awesome, yeah, folks, get involved, check it out. Oh yeah, and then there's going to be another Young Turks uh, interview coming up. So we did one for the damage report. We're going to do another one for the conversation. I think that's going to be on the 12th. Who's the is that is the conversation is that Anna's show or yeah I think okay. so John Jan, yeah John does the damage report. All you
1: do is you get you get interviewed by Emma and you have the trifecta.
2: Well, Emma was supposed to sit in today uh, this morning. At the uh, damage report show, but oh, that's too uh, bad. yeah, it was fun. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I just take a look on, the on, on online, and things are updated on a regular basis there. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, and that
1: uh, well, thank uh, you we all. do
2: have one big thing coming up, but I can't really talk about that just yet. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: But so. we talked a bit about it, it's going to be pretty cool.
2: <laughs> awesome.
1: Excellent. Well, then that is... Uh, once again, thank you all for coming out tonight. Uh, thank you, uh, folks listening in. Thank you for uh, devoting your time. Um, this has been a good chunk of an episode. And... um yeah, uh for if uh, once again, uh we the, our show is entirely um <laughs> entirely uh listener uh listener funded. If you'd like to help us make more of these, check us out at patreon.com slash giving the mic. Once again, uh you know, join up with us on Facebook and Twitter at giving the mic. Um yeah, uh see that's uh if, if any questions, comments, uh tips for good Korean places to eat in town, please contact us at giveythemike at gmail dot com. And I and once again, thanks to the mysterious breakfast cerealer for our theme song. Uh all right, on behalf of myself and the cats and Garrett and Albert, uh you guys have any final words or No, I guess vote for Albert. Yeah. Please do. All right. Uh, there you go. Uh, thanks a lot, folks, and good night. I
0: just want to say one of my favorite writers growing up was a man named James Baldwin. And I remember Baldwin saying, you asked my father to wait, my brother to wait, my uncle to wait, how long must I wait on freedom? How long must I wait on rights and equality and liberty? And as a black child, that resonated with me, because I knew I had been denied, and I personalized that. But as I grew, I started to understand poor white people have been denied, women have been denied, gays and lesbians, transgender people been denied, immigrant children been denied, Everybody outside of that 1% has been denied. So I want you to take a few seconds to look to your left and look to your right. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the time is now. There are more of us. We're stronger. We will wait no longer. The time is now. When you go to that booth next year, need you to carry in that booth the memory of this room black white straight gay men female we are together we are united our time is right now we will not wait four more years we will not wait 20 more years we will not wait two more presidents we will not wait three more presidents the time is now the time is not in the future. The time is not some abstract time. The time is not something that might be. The time ain't something that could be. The time ain't nothing that should be, that would be. It ain't tomorrow. It ain't the day after. It ain't coming next week. The time is. The time is. The time is. The time is. Lieutenant Bernard Sanders will be the next president of the United States of America. Thank you all.
1: That's it. Well, that was a you nice like time. Food. What's that? Do you like Korean food. Yes. I wish I learned how, I wish I knew how to cook <sighs>
2: it. So, I I did vegetarianism for since the uh, climate emergency in September, I just gave it up hmm. because I can't do it.
1: Well, that, it's rough. Well, the thing is, if I mean, people push it, that's like if people push like you can't push like, either vegetarianism or veganism as easy with, like, because our diet is Western European. Uh-huh. If you go, th- if you base but here's it on, the thing. like, Japanese and Korean, it's a lot easier. No, it isn't. <laughs> Korean food is all...
2: It's really? got all... Everything in Korean food has got some kind of uh, animal in it. Oh, well, shit. I mean, every kimchi has got uh, fish sauce. Oh, yeah, fish sauce. Yeah, every, every, everything in Korean food has got some kind of animal in it. But what I was going to say is, um, we're going to have my very favorite, most favorite uh, Korean chain is coming here in September.
1: Which
2: one? Banchan. Oh,
1: the, um, um... um Banchan. Shake. Yeah, the, um... Yeah, the, I, the fried I like I've, I've even heard
3: about this a little bit, yeah.
2: Banchan is so fucking good. <laughs> it's so fucking and good. And it's a chain, like, it's in a, Korea. It's, a, it's an international chain. chain.
1: Okay. that's Yeah, that's the one thing I miss from... So at least in South Eastern, from southeastern East, South michigan to here is important we do not we well i mean we have more of them than we did when i first moved here but no uh two too few korean joints
2: they're all in, Three, in beaverton
1: yeah too few uh like uh greek delis and coney islands yeah